I'm Joyce Hornady. You might say accuracy is my business. I make bullets. You are listening to the Hornady Podcast. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Hornady Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Swerzik, and I'm joined today beside me, president of the company, Steve Hornady, on the Hornady Podcast, the director of engineering, Mitch Middlestead, and uh, special guest, Dave Emery. Guys, thanks for coming on the show today. He got his title right this time. I got yeah. his title right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Happy Good to be, be here, Seth. Well, I'm used to having... Neil Davies Neil's on the show. sitting right here, too, usually. Yes, and I yeah. always look at him, and the director of <laughs> marketing just comes out. Well, uh, the topic today is an important cartridge, an important development, one, because of the cartridge, but two, because of what that cartridge ended up birthing. That became the parent for some really monumental things for us as a company and as a, as a firearms industry. Um, and I'm talking about the 375 Ruger. And the 375 Ruger as a cartridge is awesome. And then it, like I said, it birthed some really important uh, cartridges and developments. And it really helped us learn a lot about other cartridge and chamber design. So, you know, 375 is a big, big cartridge. And when I think of 375, I think a lot of us think of the 375 H&H. And it's a very romanticized and nostalgic cartridge. And what was the impetus to develop a 375 cartridge uh, of that size for for the African type dangerous game hunting. What went into that, and when did this occur? Gun company, the gun company Ruger. Mm-hmm. Okay. The um, well, Steve Sinetti. I think Steve Sinetti was president at the time. If not, yeah, he was so. heavily and he was Mac. He was management, uh, and I don't know how we got on the subject, but he said. If you could make an African cartridge for us that would fit in our standard action, mm-hmm. that'd be really great because the only way they could sell their African guns was in their that long action that they made for the 375. Yep. H&H, which is a dumb cartridge, <laughs> when I'll get all kinds of letters on that one. Sure. Uh, but if you look at the stupid belt, which I hate belts, and the long, stupid neck, which I hate long, stupid necks, all of those things are not conducive to accuracy. Mm-hmm. But we need something that'll fit in our standard action because then we can we can sell guns. We can't right. sell their their African or their Magnum length action was mm-hmm. a two thousand dollar rifle. Right. Oh boy. And their seventy seven standard length was a nine hundred dollar rifle. Yeah, that's a big difference for the consumer. Yeah. 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 yeah, up front. And um, I've hated belts for as long as I can remember. And I had designed a cartridge based off the the eight by sixty eight. With that, I had neck down, well, necked up, shouldered back, shortened, turned it into a 338, and had a, a rifle made on it, and discovered that I am not a tinkerer when it comes to making cartridges like that because it was a lot of work uh-huh. <laughs> and getting the cartridge, the base cartridge case. But what I liked about it was it was a fat cartridge case and had no belt. Okay. And so it had, I think the head on that is 523, thereabouts. Yeah, I think so. So yeah. a Magnum's 532 uh, on the head. Right. But, but in front of the belt, it's 510 or 512. And, and, and so that cartridge was actually bigger uh, than, a, than a belted Magnum at right. that point in time. And I shortened it and I, could, I was getting 338 Winchester Win Mag performance out of that cartridge. 
but it was too hard to do. And it was purely a wildcat at that point in time. Mm-hmm. But, but then when Steve asked that, then Dave and I really started working on that together. We were, that was more collaborative. I mean, I said, Dave, we got to come up with something. So he had to figure it out, but. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and it's but I, it was but it was my genius that started all right. it. Yeah. yeah, that that <laughs> that yep, that one did come from yeah. Steve. And yeah. at that point it turned into okay, in a standard length action without getting utterly ridiculous in case size, how much can we get out of a you know, how can we maximize the performance of a 375 cartridge and exceed the 375 H&H. Mhm. And I I think that was another somewhat groundbreaking moment at Hornady because that's where we really started messing around with propellant designs for specific cartridge cases that led to superformance. That cartridge is where it really started. Yeah. And it got refined a little bit more with the follow-on RCMs and all of that stuff mm-hmm. led to mm-hmm. the superformance stuff. But it wow. was, okay, you're, you're fixed with a standard length action. Yeah. We have all these bullets, their head heights this much. Well, Mitch, the case yeah, can be this, this long. Big, what can you do to match? We have, and, yep. and then I think we still ended up. I think that's where the superformers type powders came into play because even with trying to maximize in that envelope, I think we still came up ten green short of case capacity of what the H and H did because the H and H case is almost half. Well, it's a quarter inch longer. Yeah. So even though we we picked up case capacity by going to that five thirty two head with, and then with the five thirty two base diameter on the Hottie picked up some case capacity there, but we were but this case length's only two point five eighty, uh, which is very it's about the same as the three hundred wind mag. Mm-hmm. Um, so we still had to pick up that extra you know hundred foot per second that we were gonna fall off with with the regular standard powders because we still had ten grains less case capacity. Yeah, so yeah, chasing was... the three seventy five H and H way more efficient design like steven mentioned with that really long neck and slope mm-hmm. and tons of taper in the belt you had the 30 degree shoulder an appropriately length uh, case neck uh, and a, a a big powder column for as for as much as the the case is and the superformance propellant walk us through real quick uh how that works because the 375 h and the 375 ruger and most of those traditional african cartridges usually have relatively short barrels um you know, 20 inch barrel, something like that. So how are you able to get that performance from the 375 Ruger? Well, that was when I really started messing around with St. Mark's. Yeah, this was well before Lever Revolution too, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. And that was when I first, you know, went to St. Mark's powder company was saying, Hey, you know, we have this cartridge and I want to maximize what I can get out of this. And, you know, can you do thus and such with the powders and can you, you know, get outside the box a little bit on this? And they said, yeah, sure. And that was a that was really the leading in cartridge where we started saying, if we really just rather than be accepting what's out there, if we can get them to make us a point design purpose built powder for this, what can we do with this? And it that literally that all led directly into superformance because we refined that a little bit more in our understanding of how it worked with the RCMs. And then after that, we refined it even a little bit more and that turned into superformance. So the 375 was the start of all of that. And wow. we, we started doing things that St. Mark's hadn't really done before, you know, the rolling the powders tighter and trying different surface coatings and a little bit higher nitroglycerin levels and all that kind of stuff. Right, because that was when we could really 
tune the powder to the cartridge and to the particular bullet weight we're shooting. So even in the 375, between the 270 grain standard load and the 300 grain, 300 grain dangerous game load, that powder mix was a little bit it was different, a little yeah. different, different in yeah. there. And yeah. it and it is all the way through all the Superformance. Uh, we can tune that load, or we can tune the powder to the p- specific load in that cartridge. Yeah, and that's that's a huge thing that's changed our ammunition. You know, like you mentioned with the Superformance line of ammo, where it's not just a powder or a couple of different powders that we just put in whatever. They're specifically chosen for that cartridge and that bullet weight. And you can really optimize things yep. and get that velocity performance without the added pressure. Yeah, the Superformance actually wound up being, and we're getting a little off topic, but you know, I think it was originally five pretty different speeds and designs mm-hmm. of powders. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it was the, light mag to begin. Yeah, it was a way more efficient light magnum and much easier to load and was much more flexible and forgiving in its performance. But I think at one last time I remembered, it was we had like 38 different speeds of powders that we were making that wow. five powders into. And it all like started with the 375 Ruger. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, well, not no, because we were already doing light magnum. Light, yeah, magnum. you'd have to go yeah, clear light, all the way back to light right. magnum. Yeah. Yeah. Light well, magnum was a, more of a brute force not terribly elegant approach yeah, but it, it, right. it was using old school type of chemistries yeah. that they used yeah. in the 375 is when we started pushing say marks out outside the box of what they were okay used to using with chemistry yeah. a little prior to that with light mag you know one of the things you have to remember with light magnum is we had to compress the powder charge right mm-hmm. and so superformance moved away from that now we're now it's all in the powder chemistry yeah. and, and the powder design yeah. to, to make that A happen, refined so. propellant and a much easier manufacturing process, which yeah. probably mm-hmm. yep. adds to some consistency. So, well, it goes beyond that. So sure. uh, back up a little bit further. One of the things that made this all possible was we'd started into making cartridge cases and we were just getting started. We'd made that 376 Steyr. And that had a, a 500 head or 498 mm-hmm. or something like that. So it was yep. bigger than the OT6 at 473, still mm-hmm. smaller than a Magnum. But you were able to get some pretty amazing performance out of that 376 tire right. in, that, in that short, fat cartridge. Well, there were other short, fat cartridges that had come to market at that point in time. But those short, fat cartridges were way bigger than the Magnum. So for the gun company... They had to design new actions, new bolts, new magazines, and new everything else. The nice thing about the 375 Ruger, same bolt, same magazine, same action, just, you know, different chamber. a different chamber. And all of a sudden, it made it possible for the gun company to get into that gun way, way, way more economically. And that is part of what was driving Ruger. We want to have a gun in this right. area. And it created the RCM too, but that was a different story. But, um, but that was one of the advantages is we could start to make cartridge cases. Mm-hmm. Let's make a 375 head, mm-hmm. but no belt. And yep. as I said before, I hate belts. Yeah. I yep. still hate belts. <laughs> well, it makes a lot of sense. And when, when you talk about it, it almost sounds like you're, you're, uh, you're sacrificing some stuff but you're really not sacrificing mm-hmm. anything by way of its design you're actually no. improving the performance you're improving performance and efficiency and mm-hmm. getting more out of a similar envelope yeah yeah 20 thousandths bigger in diameter which is what the magnum is versus a, a belted mag 
times the length, you can do the volume. It's a you fair amount of volume. That's sure. a lot of volume, and that makes a big difference. And then you have the versatility of the existing 375 bullets. So you've got a dangerous game line, and you've got some you know traditional uh, lead core bullets like the interlock. And then now we've got the 250 grain CX. And so for a guy going to Africa, if you wanted to take one rifle, you could take two different kinds of ammunition, you know, a dangerous game load and a 250 grain CX load for some of the bigger planes game. And you've got a lot of versatility there. Right. Don't do that. Don't do that? Don't do that. Why is that? Because it's not worth, you'll always find yourself in the wrong cartridge in the magazine at the time. So oh. just shoot the 300 grain round nose at everything in Africa that you're going to shoot at. It will shoot flat enough out to 200 yards and yeah. beyond that. You don't need to take the shot. You'll get closer. Right. So you, are you a fan of the DGS or the DGX load in the 375 Ruger? Yes. All both. <laughs> yeah. You're always going to need the solid. Sure. Right. You know, you're, you don't want the solid with you, but you shoot the, you shoot the soft. But I did exactly that, Seth. I took the 250 or the 270, I don't remember. And I'm going to shoot this when we're shooting at an Impala. And then I'm going to switch out because, oh, shit, there's Buffalo. Now, changing the guns and loading. Magazines and... I, no, well, they didn't have magazines. Oh, yeah, they were all floor plate. Yeah, top so changing changing a load just became the dumbest thing on the planet. Just like no, 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 I'll shoot this, and then your gun's always sighted. It always shoots where it, you know right. it shoots, and it's going to perform the way you want it to perform. Outstanding. Power and performance in the palm of your hand. Hornady Handgun Hunter Ammunition. Built around the tough copper alloy monoflex handgun bullet that features a proprietary elastomer tip, deep penetration, and high weight retention. Handgun Hunter Ammunition. As rough and rugged as the conditions and game demand. People think that round nose bullets have got the trajectory of a balloon or something, and that's not true. Right. We sh you know... The, a round nose, the Remington Corlock was the standard of 30-06 for Long 70 time. years, yeah. you know, with 180 grain round nose. And you can shoot out there several hundred yards easily. Right. And if you do the math on a pointed bullet versus a round nose bullet over 200 yards. There's not like, It doesn't yeah, make a difference. An inch or so? No. Right. Minute of deer. Minute Less of deer. Than, minute of Impala in this case. Easily. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Easily. Well, the 375 Ruger, you mentioned making cartridge cases. Uh, the 375 Ruger, like we mentioned earlier, really spawned an incredible amount of development. Um, I think Joe Thielen talks about 375 Ruger almost instantly necked down to 30 cal mm -hmm. uh, to play with, which became the 300 PRC. But before yep. that, there was some other developments with the, the RCM line. And uh, how did that 375 Ruger uh, evolve into what became our RCMs? Back to Ruger. Back to Ruger, okay. Yeah. And the reason it went back to Ruger is Ruger had introduced the, uh, the 300 WSM. Mm -hmm. And Rick Jameson had a patent on that cartridge. And it was, it was one of the only ones that had a, had a patent. And so Ruger introduced the gun and made a bunch of them and got a letter from Rick's attorney that said you're going to pay us this royalty royalty and if you knew the rugers you knew that nope that's not what they were going to do and of course the idiot attorney put in his letter you'll either pay us a royalty or you won't sell the gun no problem not selling the gun easy screw you okay so now they need a, a short magnum. magnum type cartridge and he literally said 
I need a cartridge I can put in that gun. Okay. Because I've got thousands of them. <laughs> <laughs> thousands of them. And so. And of course, us being a tinkerers, that was when the rums were coming out and of course the short mags and all that kind of stuff. Right. And we looked at those and thought, boy, you know, there's a, w- with what we know about propellants from doing the 375 Ruger and everything else, there's a more elegant solution to this. Sure. And, you know, we set out to, we're going to match these big, huge, fat, short magnums with a much smaller diameter, more compact cartridge, and use what we know about propellants to equal the performance of those. And that's what we set out to do, and that's what we did. And designed for use in those shorter barrels as well. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. The technical performance of a short mag, Winchester short magnum, the, the beginning, as far as a bench cartridge is concerned, sitting there and looking at what it can do and so on and so forth, it's an excellent cartridge. It's short powder column, better ignition. You pulled all of that out of the bench rest category crew, crew that did that. But that's not a hunter's cartridge. And what you need is a cartridge that you're going to put in a gun that you're going to carry on your back and you're going to take it up here. Mm-hmm. Well, they could only get a couple cartridges in the, in the magazine at that time because they were so fat and they didn't yep. have, they had to have a different bolt they had and all these other mm-hmm. things. So it was, it was always a problem for the gun company to deliver a rifle to the shooter using that cartridge and to get the maximum performance out of that cartridge they put 26 inch barrels on them which are this mm-hmm. long nobody's going to put that on their back mm-hmm. and go up the mountain right. or nobody wants to right. and dave worked that thing through and i was you know I, it's got to be it's got to fit in a shorter envelope so we de- designed it he designed it to function out of a 20 inch barrel and i've been carrying a 300 rcm ever since because you put it on your shoulder the barrel barely comes to your head so mm-hmm. now when you're getting on and off a horse you're going through bush you're doing all this stuff that's a hunter's rifle it is it's a yeah. mountain hunter's rifle yeah. the 300 uh i'm guessing was kind of the first one and then was there a big demand for the 338 or just kind of you know what we should do this for a little bit i think that was Ruger I think we again, rolled them it? at the same time yeah. pretty okay. close yeah yeah but I yeah i, I almost thing. forgot about that that it was the whole emphasis of those was we want to get this magnum type performance out of a 20 inch barrel so these things are a lot handier right. for a hunter well and i think we succeeded in that because oh, yeah. to a steve's <clears throat> point with the longer barrels they had done all the other short mag cartridges used really slow extruded powder and so you needed to get that barrel length to get that to burn out and get the performance that they advertised yep and so when you take a 300 wsm and a 300 rcm and you shoot them both out of 20 inch barrels where we are within 20 feet per second because they're just on the WSM, you're just going to blow all that powder at the end of the barrel because you're just not burning. Right. Yeah, not enough time to get it burned up. Yep. And then with a with a 30 cal or a 338 caliber bullet uh, out of a 20-inch barrel at, at an, a pretty appreciable velocity, there's there's few things that you can't take with that combination. Right. You know, certainly anything on this continent. Right. And that was, I mean, I had... I had them make me personally, when then we first started doing those two cartridges, Ruger made me a 338 RCM with no open sights because they put open sights on all the factory guns, which I never really understood. But right. I, had, I, yeah, I that, said, I don't, okay, I I don't want open sights. I just want a smooth barrel because I'm going to scope it. And I put a uh, l- pull two and a half to eight on it. And that is, that, to Steve's point, that's a perfect mountain gun. I t- took it to Africa, shot all the African planes game with it. I've been on elk hunting with it multiple times. And yeah, you strap it on your back, 
You can walk through the brush. You can walk through the trees. No issue. Yeah. One thing that really resonates with me current day, and I wasn't involved or even around during this time, but those those 20-inch barrels, at the time, it wasn't near as popular. Today, if unless it's illegal where I'm at, I got a suppressor on the firearm. Mm-hmm. And uh, those shorter barrels, you're not sacrificing performance. And by the time I put my five-inch suppressor on there, I'm running you know, a, a suppressed setup that's shorter than some people's unsuppressed setup with the 26-inch barrels. Right. And that's, yep. uh, I think that's catching on or has certainly caught on. Steve, I know you've traveled the world and shot oh. a lot suppressed. Well, I haven't shot a lot suppressed because you can't get it. Right. It's but too I mean, hard to get out of the country. But in the United States, you shoot suppressed and, and other places. I hunted with a guy over in Africa, and he had a three thirty eight Lapua with a suppressor on there, and we're sitting on the back of the truck, and he's culling animals, and you've got no air protection out of the three thirty eight Lapua, and you know what that's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And take the suppressor off and just, oh, yeah, yeah, don't do that. That's not fun, but... I love suppressors. I, as far as I'm concerned, everything ought to have a suppressor on it. I mm-hmm. put them on. I'll take them everywhere I can go. That's what I want to do. Yeah, agree. So you've got the RCM line uh, that was spawned originally from the 375 Ruger, and we mentioned it briefly before. Uh, but kind of that next design, we've got 65 PRC and 300 PRC, which were really kind of the next descendants from that parent case. Uh, do you remember? That 300 RCM, I know I mentioned Joe working in the case plant at the time doing some engineering. It, I think it was 2007, he uh, necked that thing down to 30 cal, made some cases with no head stamp and used that in his bench rest rifle. So were you guys early adopters of what became the 300 PRC? Internally anyway? Um, we were so busy at the time with other stuff and, you know, it, that was Joe's discipline and, and hobby and shooting was that. And mm-hmm. we all knew what it was and we all knew he was getting quite good results with it. Sure. I just, we, I think at the time we thought, boy, you know, how much room is there in the market to right. introduce that another was, magnum. Was, yeah. When we brought out the RCM, I remember we were at, uh, over at shooting times at the, uh, roundup that we did over there. And we introduced it, and those guys went, oh, that's really not what we thought you were going to do. We thought you'd bring out a, a 300 Magnum. But from our perspective, it's like, eh, you know what? The 300 Magnum, Winchester Magnum, is well-established in sure the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Trying to go up against that with a cartridge that is is not going to offer superior performance as far as velocity and things like that. It's concerned. It'll offer superior performance because yeah. it can be more accurate because it's not using a stupid bolt and it has a, a throat that is appropriate with a neck that is appropriate and a bullet that is seated out so that the powder column is behind it and a whole bunch of other things why it's superior to a 300 wind mag, which is going to get a whole lot of other uh, people sending in notices. <laughs> performance is not about velocity alone. Right. Performance is the combination of delivering on the target the the accuracy, the precision, the load, the weight, the bullet type, and everything else, and, and being able to do that consistently, regularly, that's performance. Mm-hmm. Velocity isn't it. Too many times people just say, well, it's the speed. Yeah, well, there's a 100-horsepower little car out here that can zip through these corners a hell of a lot faster than a 500-horsepower car that just Really good going straight line. So, yeah, it's one metric. Yeah. 
but that was that was the thing when we brought that out was that everybody thought we were going to go bigger mm-hmm. and we just didn't think there was enough room in the marketplace at that sure. point in time for that and we hadn't done that type of development to really get the performance that we now get out of the rcn or out of the the uh, prcs with the everything that we've learned subsequently right. I mean, we've yeah. learned we, a lot. we weren't yeah. as far along in our understanding or experimenting with stuff right yet to really make that a make a notch for it in the market right and you know we learned a lot from the creedmoor oh yeah right. and that, yeah, yeah right and i think that's where it came yep. from because if we would have done a 300 magnum off the ruger case we'd have probably stuck with that same head height yep the short and that's what we, we found would've. out yep is that's not conducive to accuracy but we found that out with 65 creedmoor when when a Ave shortened that case we were able to hang that projectile out there we were able to get the heel or the boat tail up into the neck yep and that's a critical part of that whole design yeah. and had we not done the creedmoor and had done the 300 mag it wouldn't have worked as well as what the prc does now right well, the, exactly as it worked out it was slightly delayed comparatively to what maybe some people had wanted but the result was the 300 prc and with the overall length of the 300 PRC, it really pushed the, the rifle builders right. out of their comfort zone between uh, magazines was kind of the, the mm-hmm. most common complaint. But the result is a factory loaded cartridge with performance that right. was never seen before in factory available ammunition. SnapSafe modular assembly system locks the thick steel exterior together in minutes anywhere in the home. Featuring a pry-resistant 3 inch solid steel door, eight one-inch chrome steel live locking bolts, digital or mechanical locking options, nine gauge steel exterior walls, 2300 degree Fahrenheit one hour fire shield protection, fully adjustable shelving, and a lifetime warranty. Snap Safe, a modular safe with welded safe security. Yeah, and so on that, we took the tact with the 300 PRC and it does not fit into standard magazine you know magnum well the same magazine length as the 800 mag because we knew that we needed to seat that projectile out there further right and um, i can remember when we introduced that to Sammy, no less than three gun rifle manufacturers called me the next week saying i can't fit this in my mag and i just said cool don't care yeah. F- figure it out if you want to do it we built the cartridge to be the best cartridge it can be now it's your guys' turn because as we've been talking for a lot of times, the whole thought process is to make a new cartridge to fit that, to make it easy for the gun guys. Mm-hmm. And we've done that with a lot of other stuff and that's good. That helps sell guns. Yeah. It helps get them on board. But after we knew what we knew on the Six Fair Creedmoor, we knew we weren't going to compromise with that. And we were going to build the cartridge <laughs> yep. the way the cartridge needed to be for its inherent accuracy and performance and let the gun guys do what you do. Right. And we, we were also at the time being driven by the military because they'd already approached mm-hmm. us with the, hey, you know, we want a 30 cal cartridge that'll mm-hmm. get us to 2,000 yards with the or further. Lapua. Yeah. There was, yep. there was, yep. there still is a lot of inherent issues with the Lapua. Yep. And it, and, and the it, norm. And it's, and it's hard to shoot. And, yep. and Mitch is exactly right. That's when it came down to where he said, this, this is all about the cartridge and the bullet and the guns are just going to have to make it fit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and when somebody comes they to all you. Did. With the 2,000 yard requirement, I mean, that's almost a made up number when you think about 2,000 yards and, and this cartridge actually delivers. And uh, like I said, I'm glad that we waited. And 
subsequent to that, the 6.5 PRC, very similar to the RCM and short, fat. And again, you guys pushed the boundary on overall length because historically a short Magnum was 2.850 overall length. And uh, I believe you guys introduced the 6.5 PRC with a Sammy Max of 2.96. Yeah, that's what I remember. Mm-hmm. And and again, probably got those same phone calls from those yeah. same gun builders. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't have a short action magazine that'll hold this. Well, I can remember Aaron Cummings at the came up to you and me. He, yeah. He was one of them. And he said, I think I can make this fit in my magazine, you know, because right. he saw the cartridge and he's like, oh gosh, we got to have this. And he said, I think I can make it fit mm-hmm. in my magazine. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, between the 375 Ruger and then the subsequent 300 and 338 RCMs, those cartridges uh, really birthed incredible development, both on, you know, in the firearm world, but also in our world and our understanding and the application of proper design and proper chamber design and letting the cartridge be designed the way it's supposed to be to be optimal and uh, like i said that pushed the gun builders to to find a way to make it work and a lot of that started with the 375 ruger uh and the development of superformance which became one of our most popular lines of ammunition uh pretty remarkable and uh a capable cartridge and i don't have one yet i've not hunted with one but um i don't know that 375 ruger it just it just looks the part Yep. It, it looks the part. Anything else on 375 Ruger that you guys uh, want to mention? It's a brilliant cartridge. It's vastly superior to the H&H. Mm-hmm. And if you're still shooting an H&H, I'm so sorry for you. Switch. <laughs> you heard it here <laughs> it first, is folks. the African <laughs> cartridge. If you're yep. going to Africa yeah. and there are, gun, you, there are more economical guns being chambered for it as well because mm-hmm. it does fit. Um, and you can get a $600 gun. You can go to Africa and you can kill anything you want. Yep. Dangerous game included. Even if you don't get to go to Africa, you've got one that you can shoot and say, maybe someday, maybe yeah. someday, but I got a gun for it. Yep. And you've got a cartridge that, that was designed thoughtfully to, to accomplish that with good dimensions, propellant specifically for each load. And uh, like you mentioned about speed, it's not all about speed. That's one metric. There's a lot of other metrics that, that uh, you guys took into account when you designed it. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's, yeah, the way that it birthed all of my other favorite cartridges uh, is pretty unique. Yeah. And I don't want a whole lot of complaints for, to the podcast about how come I don't like 375, I should know, or 375 H&H, I should know better. Well, yeah, you're not all driving Model Ts anymore either. So. That's yeah, true. That's true. Awesome. Well, thanks for the discussion, guys. I really appreciate it. Guys, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast about 375 Ruger. If you have comments about Steve's preference on 375 H&H, send them to podcast at hornyd.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll catch you on the next one.